0: You are listening to Chill Conversations with Anka, and today I'm joined by Oris Ikomi, an early careers consultant. Hi, Oris.
1: Hi. Hi, Anka. Good to uh, meet you again.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. After,
1: yeah.
0: After, after, five after five years. years. Yep. yep. Indeed. Yep, yep. Well, yeah. it was a, a nice encounter then, and I I think it's a nice one now. It's a bit different from yeah. how we met first time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no. Obviously, like for the people who are listening, so we we met at the. So I came to give a talk at a university back in 2018. And I remember after the talk, you connected with me on LinkedIn, and then we managed to stay in touch ever since then. And then here we are, five years after, you know, speaking again. Which exactly. Is incredible.
0: If I look at myself, I I think I need your help
1: <laughs> as an early <laughs> career
0: consultant because I'm yeah. uh, all over the place right now. But we we'll, yeah. we'll get there. Tell us
1: a little bit about yourself, Oris. Yeah, sure. So um, I work professionally. I help bridge the gap between organizations and people leaving university into the world of work to bridge that gap. So help companies build how they can build better relationship with uh, undergraduates and graduates, and how they can attract these graduates to work in their companies, and as well as that, I manage that process. So I, I do. I run coaching programs where companies hire me to coach graduates so they can perform better in interviews and assessment centers so that's a bit about what I do and yeah live in London but I, was, I wasn't born in London I was born and raised in Nigeria and I moved over to the UK as a 17 year old and been there now for about 22 years so given away my age as well so yeah that's a bit about me. Nice
0: how, how would you say London was back then?
1: Oh, how would I say London was back then? So when I first moved up to London, I lived in like Southeast London, an area called Deptford. And back then it was, it was very cool. I mean, look at Deptford now compared to Deptford back then; it's totally different. To give you an example, now in Deptford you will see like fancy restaurants and bars, and you know almost like places that looks like clubs and so on. Whereas back then it was very different. It was very There's a lot of, like, ethnically diverse people from, like, West Africa, the Caribbean, and so on and so forth, West Indies. And, you know, kids will go out after school playing outside. That was very common, playing outside, playing football. The, like, football cages and parks will just, you know, with friends all till 9 o'clock, especially in the summer. I used to love that in the summer till 9 o'clock, when it's still bright outside, 9.30, 10 o'clock, still playing football. But now everyone's obviously grown and the demographic is so different. Uh, you know, there's people from like outside London now living in Deptford. And there's a very, if people are familiar with Shoreditch, Shoreditch has been known to be a very trendy part of London. So Deptford is like the mini Shoreditch. You know. So, so yeah, much. it's changed a lot. It's changed a lot since compared to um back then.
0: And that's true. I mean, every area has changed. I've been in the UK for like eleven years now, so even yeah. I see changes, but I can only imagine what what you see like for such yeah. a long time.
1: Yeah,
0: so, I mean, now uh, you don't
1: really, you know you don't really have kids like running around playing outside. No. Everyone's like indoors these days, uh, which is a shame. But you know, that's a time. I must living.
0: admit, I have some neighbors who I keep on throwing their ball in my in my garden, <laughs> but I'm one of the cool moms because I give it yeah. back and I smile. I don't shout. <laughs> yeah. Those times, I, I think we all miss them. And I, I think it's not just a change that happened in London. I think it's a change that happened all over the world. Coming yeah. from Romania, I used to do the same. And I feel bad for, for my kids that they never get a chance to go outside and just make friends. Yeah. It's all so limited now.
1: Yeah. Do you know what's interesting, though? Like, I live in Wimbledon now. And literally two minutes from my house, it's a recreational park. And in October this year, they have, like, a, a cage... uh, where kids can, well, like a sports cage, basically, like football, basketball, and so on and so forth. And they recently renovated the place. They created tennis courts um, for basketball uh, hoops for people to play. And now literally every day with that fail, that place is busy with kids. And they actually realise actually, kids maybe actually they want to go out, but perhaps they don't have the facilities to encourage them to go outside. So... I think, that's I think the facilities
0: facilities, and also the um, I think it's a scary world out there and mm. I would be a bit worried to leave the kids obviously if they have friends of course they can go Mine's are still a bit young but it would be beautiful to have that security like we had before because I don't think my parents were very worried when I was going outside but now with so many things happening and you know yeah. trends on TikTok and It it's a lot to to handle as a parent. Yeah. (laughs) Live alone as a child. Yeah. So how did you start? Like seventeen, you were here. What were your passions then?
1: Passion? I don't think I even knew what the word passion meant. Um. Generally, I was. It's funny you ask that question. I always. I wasn't one of those kids that knew anything that they wanted to do. I didn't really have any like goal or dream or vision you know i grew up in an environment where life wasn't about working you know to to give you a normal a date a, a normal day would look like um you wake up get ready you go to school you come back from school you go to the market you do some food shopping and then you come and you cook that was it, so I didn't really grow up around people who went into work or went to the office. I grew up in a very um i wouldn't say it's not a village, but it wasn't it wasn't a very developed part of um like compared to like the cities basically I grew up in a small town, mm-hmm. and so for me that was life, so I didn't really have or see anyone who went into the office or had a career so i looking back, I can see the influence that had. In terms of how I viewed life, so to me, life wasn't about you going to work or pursuing a career to say I want to be a doctor and so on. But I was very bright and I was very academic. I was like one of the smartest, you know, growing up in terms of my school and my school year and so on. So coming to the UK, which is very different, where you know you go, you know, you do go to university. So I didn't really have a reason for wanting to go to university. I didn't really know why I wanted to go to university or so on. So I well, I didn't have any like a, a, a purpose behind it, so I didn't have that sort of aspiration and motivation. Um, it was until maybe I was back in my early, I think it was about twenty twenty one or so. That's when I had started thinking, what is it that I'm actually good at? What is my, what am I? What's my gift? What's my talent? Because I remember back then I used to go to church as well. I remember people speak that there was a particular person talking about like gifts and talents. I was like, what is my gift and talent then? Because I don't really know what, I'm, what I was good at. So in that process, that's when I started learning about went in this journey of self-discovery. And that's when I realized, became more aware of what I was naturally good at. I'm really good at building relationships with people, connecting with anyone. I'm very good at, you know, say, speaking and connecting with people. I'm very good at, um I'm more of a people person. So that was when I would say, if you want to say, my sort of aspiration started where I was like, oh, actually, I can be, um, I like maybe be a coach or be a writer, be a speaker. I think I wanted to be a golfer to play golf. Freshly, I was just literally just thinking <laughs> I can be all of this. But I think what I realized that I was very good at connecting with people. I was very good at, um, yeah, connecting with anyone, be it a um, uh, year nine student or a senior executive in a you know massive corporation. And I also knew, had these insights on actually how to connect people together, how mm-hmm. to, how companies can build a relationship with, you know, young people. So that's when I suppose my um, journey started in terms of how I got into what I'm doing now. I realized that, okay, I had this idea that I wanted to let companies understand how they can build a better relationship with people, how they can connect with young people, how they can connect with graduates, with students. And then I went to university, studied business management, and after the, during university, I did a lot of things like, you know, did coaching. So I coached the men's, one of the men's there, are three teams I coached with the third team and did international. So I suppose for me, my career has been just more of a, a self-discovery as opposed to having an, a clear idea of exactly what I want to do. I'm just driven by a vision. So that's what drives me daily, if that makes any sense.
0: I think it's better because you're going with yeah, the yeah. flow, you don't have yeah, yeah. anything set.
1: Yeah, it's not like I don't have any,
0: not set in you know, stone. I mean, yeah, like, when you're say, open,
1: yeah, like, say, people want to do it, they don't want to be like, say, a doctor, so I don't have that. I mean, I'm just driven by this vision that we can live in a world where my one of my desires was to actually become aware of who they are, like, having a sense of self awareness. And I think for me, that's something that really transformed my life. Um, when I became, I describe it as actually like waking up. Mm. Where I became aware of a self that I never knew ever existed. And to this day, it sounds a bit I feel, it may sound a bit crazy when I explain it, but I just woke up one day. It was, it was, a, it was a journey, but I became so like gain some, some like, insights in terms of how I can recreate myself, how I can um, discover what is I really want to be, what I want to do, and then how to create that. For example, whenever I want to do public speaking, I never had any public speaking training or coaching. I just did something I wanted to do. And then I would put myself in situations to get my comfort zone to, you know, I remember my, my first time I spoke in public, I was, I, was uh, I think I was third year of university in my placement year. I gave a presentation about a program the university was running to students in, in a room full of like over 100 students. Obviously, I knew that I was terrified. but because I had this idea that motivated me to go beyond my fear. So I started seeing these things happen. I was like, oh, OK, I want people to understand that they can also transform their lives. So I suppose this is what, you know, what drives me and what spurs me on. For him to know that to see what's possible.
0: True, true. But it takes a lot of courage to go in front. I know how it is mm. <laughs> to be in the spotlight and yeah, to have to to tell the world what you have to say. What would you say is the biggest lesson that you had on your on your journey? Oh,
1: the biggest lesson. I don't know if I would say I've had um maybe I've never really thought about that actually, honestly, it was the biggest lesson. There's so many. Um it's hard to point in what sense when well, you say biggest lesson. So like
0: like you know we all have challenges. Mm-hmm. There there must be one that was like, okay, so that's that's how it should be done or when you realize that something is not for you or something it's for you like you said public speaking it's for you you loved it because mm-hmm. you can share it with others but i don't know do you have like a crossroad moment did you have like something that i don't know changed the path somehow
1: um okay so i think i understand what you mean now um is that something that changed the path for me I would say one of the, the crossroads for me was, again, realising. So I think how it was started from like, just growing up in a environment where, you know, like I said, go, go to church every Sunday. You, This is just what you do. And I never knew. To me, it's just I did because this is what you do. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest crossroad for me was actually stopping to say, is this? whole thing about church god and all this stuff is it actually real and what i discovered is something that then changed my life forever it wasn't necessarily discovering god per se it was more i became aware of something that is self-awareness again what what, what i describe it as but it's like i said it's more becoming aware of than me that I never knew existed, because I was just busy doing everything, being like everyone else. Um, so I think the biggest crossroads is why I realized about how to be, let you know, people talk about be your authentic self and be your real self and so on and so forth. But I think when that's the biggest crossroad when I realized that, oh, I can actually be myself, but then I learned how to actually be myself, how to do that, because often you have to be yourself, but no one people don't really talk about how do you do it. So, simply learning to say, okay, I'll spend a lot of time in my bedroom back then to say, like, just really deep reflection, deep thinking, and just ask myself questions, actually, like, what is it that I. Even little things like, oh, why do you. Because um, growing up with the part of Deptford I grew up, like, there's loads of like peer like, everywhere, peer pressure. Like, why do you. Like, why do you walk the way you do? Oh, because I'm trying to be like everyone else. You know, I'm trying to like impress my friends. Why do you, um, why are you chatting up so many girls and why are you dressing up in a certain way? Why do you spend so much money buying expensive designers' clothes back then? And so I'm trying to, having that level of honesty with myself. So I'm trying to be like my friends, trying to impress my friends. So I started having this sort of open, honest conversation with myself and telling myself the truth to myself and then in that space, I started realizing that, oh, okay, so this is why I was doing what I was doing. And then if I wasn't doing those things, how would I really want to do? Who would I really want to be? It's like, oh, actually, no, I don't really care. People, I probably just want to just wear whatever I want to wear. But then there's that fear. And I was like, okay, if you wear whatever you want to wear, if it's from the market, people may laugh at you. Yes. Then I was like, okay, well, if that's the case, I'm going to try it anyway. Let me go and buy stuff from the market, from the high streets. that's not designing, let me wear it and actually see what will happen and in doing so, people didn't really care and I was like, oh, hang on a second no one actually cares oh, the friends I was trying to impress were trying to impress me, I was like, hang on so, this has all been an illusion all these years, so that's what I mean by being yourself, and I started having the freedom to express myself the way I really wanted to, you know how I dressed what I wore and so on and so forth and that gave me such a a freedom and peace of mind and it had such a massive impact in my life in terms of like my confidence my self-esteem which helped improve my mental health a lot and the same principle I used around like career and so on and yeah that's that's probably the turning point for me when it comes to what changed my life
0: Um, it's sort of like um, I always have these quotes that I don't know who said them but I give credit to whoever said it uh, <laughs> yeah. who are you before the world told you who you who you're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, exactly. I think that is just beautiful and it's it's nice that we didn't live a full life and at the end to be like oh wait the the pressure I was putting was actually mine. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it's a beautiful journey you had there.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Do you have um, any favorite book? favorite books that you would suggest to anyone interested oh
1: yes 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 100 i have quite a few but i see you I've looking been... <laughs> yeah yeah there's like books on <laughs> to my left um like one two three four four shelves of books um the one i've been recommending to a lot of my friends recently i'm actually gonna give it to my friend when i see them soon i'm literally i'm gonna hand it to them, say, you have to read this you have no choice it's called the mirror work um, it's called Mirror Work by Louise Hay, uh, who passed away a few years ago. Now. so it's a book around you um, have of context. So the reason why I love this book so much because I used to struggle with like you know self-image, my self-esteem, how I related to myself. Had a lot of like negative self-talk, things like you know I'm ugly, I'm this, I'm not good enough, and, and so on. I struggled with that a lot, and especially as a guy, uh, it's not something that you know we openly speak about. You know, you yes. know, insecurities and so on. And I don't even know how I came across this book or who recommended it to me. I read it. It's a they have it's got this 21 days exercise of different things to do. And even one of the exercises actually you go into a park or anywhere and you do cartwheels. Obviously <laughs> <laughs> that you think you wasn't going to <laughs> think of me? I'm think I'm crazy. La-da-da-da. Well it's about working on your self-image. And a lot of, part of the exercise is to talk to yourself in the mirror and you know forgiving people where you actually see that a lot of things that you blame about other people is actually things that you identify in yourself so it's about it's like a self-help book basically and that's a book that for the first time I was able to actually able to say to myself in the mirror you know things like I love you you know you're beautiful I'm beautiful I've made all of that stuff and those are words that I struggled you know to to associate with myself prior and in doing that after that such realized that actually a lot of this is actually just what we say to ourselves that then creates you know how we relate to ourselves yeah so that's a book that i would highly recommend it's called mirror work um by louise hay and yeah it's a book that's changed my life a lot and there's other ones that i would also that i could also recommend um there's one that i read called um disobedience by a psychologist i think the name is eric from like f-r-o-m-m-e Again, it's for me that helped you to break away, break a lot of uh, childhood cultural beliefs where, especially the things like, you know, you must obey your parents, you must do this. So how those things trap us, in this case, strap me from really expressing myself freely. So learning how to disobey all these rules that I've grown up with, that were not in line with my true values and so on, and not being afraid to disobey them psychologically. Um, even not with them necessarily being there so it's just like yeah so a lot of internal work that I did using that as well so that's another one that I would, I would recommend but yeah there's so many more
0: <laughs> well we can make a list and just attach yeah. to the episodes for anybody yeah. who wants to follow they can yeah. they can definitely do it but we are not done with the conversation I just want mm-hmm. you to mention where can people find you uh, for career advice and stuff like that where can they reach you
1: Uh, At the moment I'll say LinkedIn. Uh, So my LinkedIn is um, Oris Ikomi, which is O-R-I-S, and surname is for I-K-O-M-I. So that's LinkedIn for professional stuff. I haven't created a social media for professional things, as in LinkedIn, Instagram for professional stuff at the moment, but my Instagram is underscore the orator. So that's T-H-E-O-R-A-T-O-R underscore the orator which also links to my whole identity of being you know speaker sharing ideas and creating ideas to people with people and so on
0: i'll make sure i'll put the tags right there so people can contact you easily but now let's talk a little bit about because you see i'm on careers now and i'm trying to sort myself out (laughs) i think first um what would you say is the number one issue for people when they come to you with their career problems was the most
1: often one confidence is it yeah okay <laughs> confidence is something that always everything is i believe i realize that it is linked to confidence um because yeah i think confidence is the one thing that always shows up confidence and followed by knowledge not knowing what to do to get to where they want to get to people want to get to I mean, it could be from even Getting people ready for an assessment center, an interview, again, it links down to confidence to express themselves, not knowing what the company are looking for, how to, you know, how to, you know, market themselves, how to sell their skills. But those two things I've noticed has always been like two missing, like confidence and knowledge are the two things I noticed that because um, why, if I was to ask you, why would you go to someone for help?
0: I would come to you for help to figure out what way to take now.
1: Yeah. It's so not that's... that I'm
0: not confident.
1: Yeah, well, knowledge though, but if you really break that's you yeah. to get some knowledge, yeah. And what's the by not having that knowledge, what impact does that have on you?
0: Oh, why doing this to me?
1: <laughs> You can see that you're not even as confident, right? I don't know. Could you identify yeah. that?
0: hmm <laughs> I not will just mm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so by having the, the knowledge having that knowledge and insight then what does that when you have that knowledge what do you feel as a result of that
0: confident always confident yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's something I see that always they're to hand in hand like confidence and knowledge
0: yes but you see I think uh, these are coming up because of the job markets it's like you have the skills but you don't know how to apply them anymore because everything mm. is ever changing and it's so much pressure because i i know i've i've been part of um, women entrepreneurship uh, summit a few years ago one or two years ago and they were saying women we tend to sit down with a job description and try to tick the boxes so if we tick the first two boxes but then say the third one we say ah, i i don't really have that skill we Mm -hmm. don't go further we just consider ourselves not qualified and not good enough Mm -hmm. for the job whereby Mm -hmm. men will just go ahead apply and they are like let me just apply i'll see what comes back Mm -hmm. so most of the time i found it that we hold ourselves back Mm -hmm. and it is like you said uh confidence because we we don't basically believe in ourselves but then again Mm -hmm. the hours that we are asked to work and we also have to think about the children and, you know, to incorporate everything, we mm. definitely step back from so many opportunities.
1: Mm. Do you know, it's so interesting. So were you going to ask a question or? No, go on. Okay. You know, what's <laughs> interesting. I, I, I was having a conversation with a, a friend from also from Romania. He lives in uh, Bucharest
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we was having a conversation about maybe me going to Bucharest in July this year to speak to women and and it's it's like just whatever you want to speak about and i said i can make, i was sort of thinking about something to say a potential topic and you just mentioned that it reminded it reminded me of something so um i believe that one of the things that holds women back um how the the, the lens of the gender so for example let me if i should say if you do not see yourself as a woman. For example, if I just take off that label out of the picture, what, how would, you, what would you do? How would you approach things?
0: Well, it's hard to, to do that because obviously you've been conditioned your whole life to see yourself as a woman. So I just think I'll, I'll be doing things differently. I would definitely apply to be a barista because I wouldn't care about anything anymore. You see, we, we see as women from the side, because we are basically on the side, or maybe I'm speaking just for myself, I'm seeing men have more freedom, even in a in a family life. Yeah. The man is the provider, so to say. That That's how we were raised with this conception. So automatically, he has more freedom to go ahead and accomplish his career, accomplish his mm-hmm. dreams, whereby the women... Are held back by the children, by the house. You need to make sure everybody is fine at home before you yeah. go and accomplish anything. Well, in my case, it's just the kids. I need to make sure they are fine. But because you don't have anybody to share this burden with, you yeah. say, okay, at five o'clock I'll be at work until seven. Can you pick the kids? Then obviously that interrupts your whatever plans you have. Because yeah. you, you won't be able to achieve the highest rank at the company or whatever yeah. dreams you have. So if I wasn't thinking that I'm a woman and acting by that label, I think I would be a barista always. Yeah,
1: and this is why you know I can really appreciate, you know, because yeah, the practical day-to-day things like, you know, raising up children, like, um, and how that impacts you from having that freedom to pursue your you know your career and so on and obviously that's not something that I don't have a lived experience with that, so I don't know what that's like um and the point I'm trying to make is why well, go back to what I said about our expressing us being our true self and the same way that there are certain things that I realized that oh I want to do this, or, but I can't do this because I am a man, or I'm a black man, or, for example, I can't wear, this when I was, like, in, I mean, this is the early 20s, so I can't wear a, like, so let's say, pink shirt, for example, because I'm going to be seen as gay, or this was back, how people viewed those things back then, anyway, back in the, like, early two thousand or so. So I had to, like, learn to break, to really work on myself, mentally, So okay, like, what do i use to define myself how do i define who i am using these social i can see how these labels and so on so forth they put limitation hindrance okay as a black guy i I can't go to this place because you know people are going to look at me funny or whatever. but i say no because i want to do that i actually want to experience this so i am going to go do that so it's actually i versus like being this label so and it may seem a bit simplified, but I believe this wholeheartedly that actually if people start actually really going back to start with that it's okay, what do I want to do? And that's where you said about courage. Yes, it will take courage to actually face your fair to see that what would happen if I actually go and do these things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know. So I believe that that's one way to um to really break a lot of these these things that hold us back from actually realizing our true potential, what we truly want to do. And you may get people calling you names in that process or saying you're this, you're that, how can you do this? However, having that, having that that drive, you know, you know exactly why you want to do this thing. You know, it's actually something that reflects, that gives you happiness, that when you when you're doing it, it gives you the most sense of like freedom and fulfillment. You just, you just feel alive. I agree. That becomes what you're. That becomes what you're pursuing. That's why you do it. Um, and I believe that this is what would actually start this changing a lot of this conversation of what a woman can or cannot do. Or and it's I think unfortunately. And I remember this clearly when I was, I was like, "Oh wow!" Back then I was like, "Oh, so these are things that actually hold women back." Actually, because that label, because um, that's a construct, right? That's been created to say, "I'm born a man, so I've got to act how men should act." I born a woman, so i am got to act how a woman should act. Then that then forms yes. our identity. When actually, who are we before the identity, away from the identity?
0: Yes, but once you decide that, if the system around you doesn't support that idea and it keep on slapping you with the label, like women who have I keep on bragging about this with women that have to take care of the kids is because the childcare is not really there to support you. You need to make sacrifices and then at the end of the day you may pursue your career but your payment at the end of the month will all go on, on childcare. I mean,
1: Yeah, I think that those are more there. There are obviously policies and political barriers and so on. Those things yes. are there and i think that's a that's a different conversation in itself um in terms of like how to navigate that i think thankfully there's more yeah i mean when my friends were telling me recently that how much it costs for child care i was like jesus christ that is insane thank it you it is <laughs> insane like i could not believe what i was like can someone not just start a child care that just charges way cheaper than everything else what the expensive. what they where you think about the laws the The safeguarding, the things people have to pay for. I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. So I think that's a different fight in itself because unfortunately, society has been structured in a way that favors men because of work provided for the family and so on and so forth. And I think this is something that is a bigger fight, a big conversation to have to really create a more of a level playing field, more of an equality, says so like race equality where we can actually like pursue their career um, and just to go back to what you said around, things, like but when men a man you know looks at a job description, they may not have all the skills, but they go ahead anyway. So yes. back to that conversation, I would say that's where the point I was trying to make about if, how you define yourself actually what are the re- when you look, I like, said, so what are the things actually stopping me from going for this oh she is because because I'm a woman. So that's something that actually we also internalize these gender restrictions to say i cannot do this because i'm a woman so we actually people actually exclude themselves not because they can't actually do it so there are practical things that can be done so working with coaches to work with that again that confidence issue work with um how do you then sell your skills how do you market yourself and that's something i've encountered that uh several times in like when i work with people like during coaching sessions as well i've been working with this um young uh this student who shares that same thing like you know she she um wanted to go for a role but uh, you know actually there's two things i would say i remember i was working with a group of students applying to applying for um a program that i was managing back then i noticed that the positions that said manager a lot of the boys applied for it <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I saw that when I saw the CVs I was I remember speaking to this girl in particular I was like why didn't you go for this role? because you actually have the skills um and so oh, I don't think I didn't think I was like you know just plenty said there's also a lot of cultural things that's played a role as well and actually women see themselves to be lesser than misspeak working with this in that session i actually worked with okay look go for it you have the skills that intervention helped to give it the confidence to go for it there's another conversation i was speaking with this uh, student who's from a um, south asian background uh mostly mm-hmm. a muslim, a muslim background as well and she was i was running a a workshop a mock assessment set, set, uh, center workshop and in that conversation there were three guys and one and her she was the only girl um, I noticed that she wasn't say much in that conversation. And I went to her, I said, Oh, afterwards, I said, I noticed she wasn't saying much in that conversation, but how come? And she then opened up to say that's because from her background, you know, you don't speak when there's men around and so on and so forth. And we worked on a one-to-one basis so actually help her like, okay, but if that wasn't a concern, how would you really like to express yourself? And then she eventually went on to do the assessment center and she passed that's an example of how also other cultural beliefs and so on and so forth can be a hindrance as to why some people, or women in this case, don't go for certain positions or, or don't speak out because they've been raised to believe that it's not there. And it's not just, there's nothing to do with, that's just the cultural um, mm-hmm. impact in this case. And this, again, this doesn't apply to everyone who's from that cultural background either you know, just, exactly. you know some, some, that's something that i experienced so that's why i'm saying it's, it's so many different factors but I've, I've, one thing i've seen that has worked is getting the individual to identify okay how would you really like to express yourself if these concerns were not there and that's where i work with people on that's why i specialize actually let's help us to discover that and express that and in most cases it's produced results for for the people
0: that's beautiful do you celebrate when they get the jobs?
1: Yeah, I do. And sometimes, actually, i found myself in the other day, um, I literally, like, sometimes, like, fist pump and say, yes, 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 when they tell me the news. I mean, there's a guy that I worked with recently. He was from um, Ecuador. You know, bless me, came to the UK as a 14-year-old. Again, similar thing, No, like, learned how to speak English in the UK. And I could see how he was struggling. Like, he's done a lot of assessment centres, been unsuccessful, worked with him. Again, confidence, mindset, all of that stuff. And he called me, he arranged a call to tell me the news. And I was just there thinking like, oh my God, this is so amazing, it's so incredible. Yeah, I do. I'm learning to celebrate now. I, never, I was never good at it. I never used to like celebrate these. Why?
0: Activities.
1: I don't know. Because I'm thinking again, maybe that for me looking back, maybe just a, you know, culture thing that, oh, I like just, you know, it's not, I didn't do it. It's fine. Or,
0: yeah, now you need to own it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm starting to do that now. And I'm starting to share on LinkedIn more as well. Because mm-hmm. I never used to share any, like, news
0: of... Uh, no. yeah. <laughs> I know. I know very well. Because there was no news of, of you there. So that's why I said, let me just ask yeah. you if you would like to do it. Yeah. So I had a question. It flew away, but it will come back. Oh. Uh, yes, tell me about the time in Romania.
1: Oh, hmm? Romania. So I went there for a friend's... Actually, it was... During my birthday, there was a friend, uh, two friends getting married. Um, it was amazing. I mean, one of my stand-up memories was the weather. It was hot.
0: I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Every day was like 38 degrees, 39 degrees. At 11 o'clock, I'm already sweating. That's how hot it was. Um, yeah, it was very... Do you know what, actually? I remember saying to myself, if people in england or the uk knew about romania i think that would be a great holiday destination especially if there was a lot of beaches in romania i think it would be a great great holiday because like the weather in the summer is insanely hot and things the price of things is so much cheaper compared to london or compared to the uk for example i remember going to um that bottle of a, a, a cocktail was like 450 and like this would be the perfect holiday destination and I think that's more thing that could be done to actually like maybe. Unfortunately, I think back then Romania had this negative, you know, perception uh, in the uh, sort of uh, mid, like right about two thousand and eight, two thousand nine. Those yes. periods saying they're coming to take over our jobs, they're just like this, that, that. It's nothing interesting. I can see. I'll be candid. I was, because I think then, because of that perception I had of Romania, you just assume that Romania is going to be this, like, really, like, run down, everyone's, like, poor, or there's no educated people there, and I'm like, hang on a second, there are more cars in Romania than actually in, in the streets of London, <laughs> there are more nicer cars than in the streets of London, I'm thinking, what, what's this whole BS that people are talking about, painting Romania in such a bad light, um, no, it was actually, it was a really nice, nice place, um, where, actually, the weather, to me, was, it was incredible
0: that's nice yeah. so are you looking forward to go back there for the for the event
1: i'm actually looking forward to going back to funny off my friend before we started this call i just read a message from my friend saying he's looking to go back in June, july and asking if everyone if anyone else wants to come so i'm looking at july time uh, to go
0: that's beautiful yeah any what other career plans do you have like what's what's the next step you want to take
1: for me at the moment, the next step is I want to work with um, I want to work within like the financial sector, I want to go in-house to help an organization, you know, run the early careers program to help them develop that and yeah, make it successful. I think that's the next stage I want to challenge myself uh, to um manage an early careers program for um an organization within like finance. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. Do you have any tips for anyone who has for example an interview coming up? What do you say would be like the first three most important steps to get oh, ready for it?
1: The three most important steps to get ready for it is um if you have an interview coming up so one th- is I use this model to say like create a table like a um to say like on one side write down a list of what the companies are looking for. Mm-hmm. so especially in the, where they say the person's specification or skills write those things down list them down and on the other side write down just brainstorm bullet points mm-hmm. things that you can remember that you have done that matches what they're looking for okay and then then take the time to then develop that further and then look at how you can answer that in a what I said to actually use that the STAR technique, because most companies use the like STAR technique, uh, like situation, task, action, and results to respond to interview questions. So practice using that to say, okay, this is a situation where I did X, Y, Z. So for example, situation is I was um I was I was responsible for the situation was we're working on a project, and my task in that project was to coordinate the team to make sure that we finished the product uh, project on time. And my action, what I did to make sure we did that was I sent emails to the team. I created a diary and I made sure everyone in the team had access to their diary so they could let me know when they're free and then let me know when they finish their task. And then I managed that process. And by doing that, it helped us actually submit the project on time. So that's an example of how actually then use that structure to respond to a question. Um, but I say, yeah, just list down what the company wants list down how you make those skills and then develop your each areas what you have done to actually meet those skills. I think that's to me that's the secret to passing an interview on assessment centers matching what they're looking for to actually what you have done if you can do that successfully the chance of being offered a role will be quite high I agree it's
0: yeah. been a while I mean, no, it's not been such long since I've had an interview, but I was deemed uh, overqualified, so (laughs) maybe I was... Tell me more.
1: (laughs) I was find it interesting. Were you deemed overqualified for the role?
0: Yes. um, What's the advice you would give to someone whose CV is... How do we call it? Spread?
1: Yeah. I think my advice is on a CV spread um because my cv is quite spread out so i've done different things Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: they're all kind of linked together so i did business development i've worked with students i've worked with universities i've worked with organizations to help connect with students and so on so the main thing is if you identify a field or career that you want to go in Mm -hmm. it's first of all c what skills or what sort of experiences that's required to go into that industry so for example when i knew that i wanted to work in the, in finance in the city but work in the sort of early careers department or, or learning and development team so yeah i remember i remember sitting with this uh, with this careers coach and they said you know at the current time you wouldn't they wouldn't accept you because you don't have experience working with like managing like stakeholders within or internally within the organization, you don't understand how things work, and so on. And they suggested that I should um get a role that would give me exposure into how to work with different cl- stakeholders within the organization. So I then took on a role that helped me to work with you know companies such as like Deutsche Bank and some of the top law firms Clifford Chance and so on and so forth. Although I wasn't working in-house, I was able to actually still mm. learn and work with them to see how things are going internally. Uh, so, so that's one thing. And the second part I would say: look at your CV, look at what you have done, and look at what they're looking for. Let's say if they're looking for um let's say uh problem solving, what people what I find that people do in their CV, I used to do this as well, they'll talk about how, oh, I, part of my, they'll talk about, let's say, a particular responsibility in the previous world, say, oh, I was responsible for um, managing a team to solve problems. Great, but then they don't talk about, giving an okay, example, what did you do, or uh-huh. how did you do it? So just saying I solve problems doesn't give them an insight to actually say, okay, that, how you did it. It's saying, okay, I designed a a strategy to help the company increase, um, I don't know, profit by 20%. That shows exactly how you did it compared to just saying, I did it. So what 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 people should do then is actually look at what they have done previously and look at specific moments within what they have done previously and focus on those moments, not just saying, oh, I worked for this company. I and saying see. I work for this company doesn't actually tell them anything. So it doesn't matter about the role. It's more what you did within that role, and look at the specific actions that you took in that time that reflects what that company is looking for. If you don't put that in your CV, so that's they now they focus on the skills and things that you, your experience, and not so much about where you have worked. I see. So that's one I think I find that where people again, what I said about the knowledge part because people don't know that. I used to do the classic thing that, oh, I worked at this company. I used to think, uh, sorry, I never actually used to actually demonstrate what I have done in my CV or how I did it. The same do applies you, to each of these as well.
0: Do you think people should take out certain parts of their CV depending on the job they're applying
1: to? Yeah, yeah, because I don't put everything in. I only put the things that are relevant to that role I'm applying for. This is where also tailoring your CV to, to the role.
0: No, I'm just smiling because I'm thinking I want them to know I know how to do the other things as well.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's not. Unfortunately, it's not relevant. If it's it's relevant, include it. So, for example, I've worked in, I've managed a team. But if I'm applying for a role that has nothing to do with managing a team, I've Mm -hmm. got to make a judgment. Do I really need to put this in? Because what I used to do, I know people do this as well, is that we think making ourselves sound amazing in a CV is what would impress the recruiter or the employer. No, it's actually it's what you have done and showing how you did it. That's all they really care about, especially if you're applying for a role that's not in a graduate scheme, for example, companies don't uh, recruit graduates based on their experience. They they recruit them based on like having certain behaviors, aptitude, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're applying for a more of an experience role, they will hire you based on your skills your experience what you have done and so on i see so yeah you want to basically include things that are relevant to the role
0: do you do you offer CV uh help
1: <laughs> i do i mean i offer not much i offer like coaching i offer coaching around like preparing for interviews and so on and so forth but then i can still apply the same i don't really work with people actually i have done in the past. Um, in terms of more like CV training and workshop and so on. But yeah, the answer is I can do that. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'll have to put it in the description.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is what I said about it last time, that the knowledge, just having that knowledge, access that knowledge actually helps it makes a difference. Then when you know what to do, it empowers you to then like go and do this and apply this knowledge to, to any situation.
0: I must yeah. agree with you because my CV yeah. has it all <laughs> relevant that's why. and irrelevant.
1: Yeah. That's why I think that's probably why I think, um, is because, yeah, it just hasn't been tailored to, and also probably what you've included in there, it's not, you haven't included things that you have done that reflects what they're looking for. Yes. Yeah.
0: Hopefully mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get a better one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> More concise.
1: Yeah. But again, I have, I'm happy to have first have a sit down as well to see like, you know, look what you, what you give it a look at your CVC, what you've done, and then, you know, to tailor it
0: thank you i appreciate that i'm thinking about our listeners because i know everybody's lost when it comes about cvs Mm. i've heard Mm. people that i don't know what to write i don't know how to put it anymore because you know Mm. everybody says nobody's actually sitting down to check them it's just like generated and picked from so many so because
1: what i do is literally when i if i'm applying for a role i know i really want to do i'm really interested in i take the time to actually like create um on Word document, I create three, two tables. One is organization, what are you looking for? And the other side is me. What have I done for each of these mm-hmm. areas you're looking for? I just bullet point, jot things down that I can remember.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that's a good strategy because that's that's how you, you are really focused and you know if you can do it or not. Not yeah. just, you know, ticking the boxes by reading it and not paying attention to it. Yeah, yeah.
1: I remember there was a role that recently I actually applied for a role. I did not tailor the CV, my CV mm-hmm. to that role, and lo and behold, they said, "Oh, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, you, you don't. Uh, we don't feel like you have enough enough experience that we're looking for." And like, yeah, I didn't really take the time to really tailor my CV to the role.
0: <laughs> so you knew what you've done wrong there. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Oris, I I need to thank you very much for today. But before I let you go, um just an interest i don't know because i can't play music because of Mm -hmm. royalties and stuff and i'm used to play music along a conversation Mm -hmm. please tell us a song that i don't know you listen to to motivate yourself or a pick me up song
1: oh um pick me up song depends on the mood sometimes when i'm working i would need to concentrate i will play i'll just type in um concentration music on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> just have that playing in the background. Uh, also like chilled vibes. But in terms of like
0: when you want know. a vibe on the song, or is when you go and conquer the world, I don't know. Something to put that something in your step.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think there's one I used to listen to. I can't remember it now. Uh, there's another one. So I listen to like say um Jay-Z Forever Young. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, say, I want to live forever young. Yes, yeah, so I listen to that one, and uh, I listen to Eminem. Um not afraid. Okay. Yeah, because I think that speaks to me so like you know, not afraid to take a stage, you know. So that's mm-hmm. one, that's one I that I listen to when I really want to get myself into the mindset as well. And sometimes I listen listen to Afro beats just to get me into like more of a groovy, you know, happy, happy. Oh music. yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's nice. That's nice. Well, Oris, we are looking forward to have you back on the podcast with your next plans and next steps in your career. But uh, yes, this is it for today. Thank you so much. And we can't can't wait to hear from you.
1: Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. And um, yeah, looking forward to coming back again.